Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kel on Earth Revisited, where you will travel with me, Kelly Karg, back through my life and musings as I celebrate the milestone of 100 chapters and more of the original blog. I have started from the beginning and continue to move through 15 years of observations as I find my voice and my place in the world and reflect on who that person was. So come with me a year after I began this project into part four as I celebrate the achievement of longevity and literacy. Oh, the lessons we are learning. Part four, chapter four. Peru, woohoo! January 2012. Looking at Peru, granted, is not the same as seeing it through the eyes of a local or even of a Spanish speaker. I suppose this can be said of any other place I've been, but I felt it most when in this vastly complex country, as my translator and I made our way through the lower and middle extremities, geographically speaking, as well as in the heat and chill of a Peruvian summer. Lima, Jeanette would say, is a shithole. Well, I don't wholly agree, but once again, looking is not seeing. Yes, I saw the discrepancy between rich and poor as we drove out of downtown, specifically out of Miraflores and down to the local beach that Jay likes so much. I saw the perched buildings stacked on top of each other as if in an uh, Ayn Rand apartment complex that blended itself so naturally into the landscape. It looked positively post-postmodern. We have all seen the images though, a sea of dried mud colored buildings built crammed together with corrugated tin roofs as they roll unbroken up and down what may have once been called hill and dale. Here there is a slight difference in that the buildings are brick and rebar sticks high into the sky, each home looking for the world like a capsized bug, dead from the attempt to right itself. This rebar is a smart investment taxes. For if you can prove that your house is being built up, therefore not finished, tax breaks abound. This, Jeanette tells me, is the suburbs. We drive south, away from the crowded yet grandiose streets of colonial Lima and the Malecon, and find the everyman Peruvian in his home, perched on a dune on a Wednesday, or on his way with his family to the selfsame beach where the gringas blaring music from an iPod, adapted through a top-of-the-line tape deck, are making their scantily clad way. I liked that beach. People watching is no fun if all the women are a size two and all the men look longing look at them, fantasizing about them sexually or not, being too busy fantasizing about how they appear to said women. Ah, tourist beaches. I scorn you. Real people beaches, where plump families burst into the dirty water, fully clothed, where people bring their own umbrellas but rent baby pools for various and sundry reasons. Where people eat ice cream by the truckful and leave the wrappers discarded in the sand. Where people are loud and Jeanette's dog Macy can wander around a different family, sniffing and digging happily as people pick her up and comment on her cuteness. Well, you really can't see the water, though it's only 25 yards away, because the fog is thick, yet hopefully rising, because real people don't go to the beach for the same reasons that tourists go. I did like that beach. I reveled in the heat in Lima, since it was some of the only heat I would experience for the entire trip. Lake Titicaca and the surrounds were gorgeous, though I don't know if you can tell from my pictures, since it was gray and overcast for the four days we were in the area. 
but the air was so clean and the altitude was over 12,000 feet. So for a minute, it didn't feel like being back. It did feel like being back home until I realized that this huge lake sits at twice the altitude of Denver and fills in a valley that goes down as deep as a thousand feet between hills of Peru and Bolivia, like taking a really cold bath at the top of the world. Cold though, oh man. That was my adjective for those days, especially on Christmas, when we were out on the lake, motoring to a Quechua island huddled under one blanket. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't snowing, but neither of us were very prepared to be huddled under many whole blankets as we sipped on coca tea and scarfed quinoa soup in the continuous rain. Tourists are so lame. I know that I felt especially cold when I observed typically dressed Peruvian women with their big skirts, hitting them at mid-calf with the daintiest shoes you will ever see outside of Confucian China in all climates. I think it's a secret of the bowler hat. Something happens to your internal temperature when you put that hat on. It must. The solid rock island was beautiful, but I think for Jeanette and I, the highlight of that time was going to a reed island. And while we looked, we saw something as genuinely traditional as we were going to see. Eight families living on an ever-constructing, ever-sinking pile of reeds, no bigger than a typical two-bedroom home in Denver. Eight families, 10 huts, and what seemed like 15 raw-cheeked, runny-nosed children who are absolutely adorable. You know me, short people freak me out, but after we cleaned their mothers out of their reed mobiles and ornaments, we just sat and played in the damp reeds with children who really didn't understand what we said, whether in English or in Spanish, and just laughed and played. We both felt pretty good about dropping a chunk of cash there. The sun had come out that day, but that isn't the only reason I felt lighter on those soggy reeds. As a native Coloradan, it would be very easy for me to be blasé about mountain ranges. But as a current Singapore resident with no access to mountain majesty, it would be impossible for me not to focus on the way the Andes shift from round, rounded hills to waves on a green sea to sharp, jagged peaks cut open to reveal their raw flesh of varied colors. On our trek northward from Puno, uh, Puno to Cusco to Aguas Calientes, the mountains by turns grew tighter and higher, all the way up to nearly 16,000 feet back down to a less intense summit, then further into the heart of Incan civilization, switchbacking through valleys, then up the face to Machu Picchu, the symbolic ending of the sacred valley and its mirror, the Milky Way. As with most, day most days on our journey, the sons of the sun, as the Incan people or the Quechua are called, made us appreciate that when which made us appreciate that which brings light and life to the Andes, since we rarely saw it. The time at Machu Picchu was no different. As you will see from the first 75% of the less than glorious album, and then beauty. <laughs> Out comes the sun and shows the puma, condor, and serpent in all their combined symbolic glory, bringing a poetically beautiful end to the day and to the glory days of the Quechua. My winter trip would be incomplete without a quick reporting of how we rang in the new year. In grand and ever-holding tradition, we were in an Irish pub, from what I hear, the only one in Peru to serve Guinness, uh, in Cusco, which is the navel of Incan civilization. Um, at least I did. Jeanette somehow got kicked out after we had been there 10 minutes, but I still had fun and managed to make a few new friends. 
Good times. The town square was crazy, yellow everywhere, including underwear that was being sold up and down streets. We had heard that this particular party produced a common theme of stripping down to skivvies. The rain put a damper in things at about 12.10, and I really didn't stick around till the wee hours to test the truth of the rumors. Cusco is the oldest, most continuously populated town in all of South America, and like Lima, has a beautiful mix of old and older. The Spanish, ever worried about making an impression, used the nearby ruins to build their new Catholic churches and had the Quechua converts paint pictures of religious icons, though they used these as subversive, as subversive praise of their old world, naturally and astrologically based religion. Unlike Lima, it still remains beautiful despite the onslaught of tourists and North American fast food. It also helps that Cusco is not situated on the edge of a dusty desert. As I said, the looking gave me some insight, but the surface can be pretty too. I wouldn't have lasted long without Jeanette, though I'm sure she would have been impressed with my Spanish skills after 10 days. Uh, glad she didn't leave me alone to test that. <laughs> Final thought, Peru is a country of excessive religious paintings and creepy Jesuses. Peruvian rock because they scare the Peruvians rock because they scare the bejesus out of themselves at church so they can survive any kind of misfortune. They are fortified, however, in their rock in ceviche and the 3,800 kinds of potato. On that note, it's time again to sign off. My actual journey is embarrassingly full of other info, info but since I'm over the standard word limit, I will bid you all happy Chinese New Year. Ooh. Postscript. In other related yet hard to squeeze in info, the Inca was in fact the king of the Quechua. So when the whole people are called Incans, it is actually historically inaccurate. Oh well. That was a fun trip. Did you guys think that was a fun trip? I thought that was a fun trip. I, <laughs> there are so many little stories in here, um, but I'm going to start with uh, at the beginning of the chapter when I quote Jeanette as saying it's a shithole. Obviously that term has become much more loaded since 2016, uh, but this was a, four, a full four years before the infinite, infamous politician uttered that phrase. Um, she had been living there for a little while and was struggling, as we all do at some point, uh, with the what. You, as I was claiming in this chapter, the what you see or what you or what you kind of overlook as a tourist. Like you, you're looking at the world and you're like, oh, I see that thing over there. But um, when when we are all in a place for long enough, we get to actually see it and and delve into it and understand the history of it a little bit more um so yeah she struggled with lima and, and as i mentioned uh at the beach that we went to it's it's very frustrating as tourists and i think that's what i was trying to get across in this in this particular chapter was that um real people aren't tourists so while at a tourist beach you would have um, a lot of staff at a resort 
like literally sweeping the beach. I've been at resorts or I've been at beachside towns where people are employed to remove seaweed so that the beach looked a certain way. So I felt, you know, sad environmentally on this beach where, um, where there was, you know, ice cream wrappers floating around and trash bags or plastic bags or garbage, you know, different things, pollution. Um, it is, as a tourist, one would only typically see the garbage. And I, I, I do this all the time, as my friends will tell you, that if somebody has a complaint about something, I need to be the obnoxious one and be like, okay, well, wait a minute. Did you think about it from this perspective? And I hope that when I am that person who's grumbly and obnoxious, that somebody would do the same to me. <laughs> because I, I wanted to see, I wanted to be there in this beach where people were just being people and wanted to escape their small houses, from what I could tell, the suburbs with the corrugated tin roofs um, and hanging out with their kids by the beach all day on the weekend because you live on you live on the ocean like you may have this small house but the ocean is yours to play with and play in uh yeah that was a really fun day I enjoyed that and I mean I'm so happy that I wrote about Macy um because she um is no longer witch net she's alive for what I know but uh she was she was her pup for quite a while and uh she was quite chipper and walking around and, and exploring and making friends with people, which was so fun. When we went down south out of Lima, I, I just I just love the word cold because it's just so <laughs> inarticulate, I guess. It, it's anything can be cold. I, I sit here in Dakar on an overcast day. It's probably in in um, I don't know, about 20 degrees Celsius, maybe in the 60s Fahrenheit, something like that. And it's not cold, but it's definitely colder than typical of Dakar. This was that kind of coastal damp cold that Coloradans are not used to. Um, and even Singaporeans, like you get dampness in Singapore, but you don't get chilled water, air, cold. And I just remember this being, I mean, these wool blankets were absolutely necessary because they, they heated you, but they also kind of kept layers between you and the wet air, like the wet, cold air. So it wasn't snowing, but it was so, it felt, I don't, I can't quote you on what the temperature was, but it felt so close to freezing. And we had this private, but it wasn't a private boat, but it, it was because nobody else had paid to ferry out to this island. And so at the beginning, Jeanette and I were way far apart from each other on the boat and like looking out at different windows and looking at the, the little reed islands and looking at this island and that, oh, look what's over there. And I don't, it couldn't have been more than 20 minutes. And we we're basically in each other's laps with like three blankets that were on the boat just kind of it was because it was so cold because the boat wasn't insulated and so we were sitting in this nearly frozen lake at 
um, two miles above sea level in a, in a lake. And I loved that description um, that we were, oh, let's find it. It's like taking a really cold bath at the top of the world. Like, I, I love the visual of, it's almost like the visual of a iceberg, how there's only a piece of what you see, but there's so much more beneath it. So the idea of having that, I don't know, imagine the iceberg is the peaks of these really tall mountains. And so you're paying attention to all of these peaks that are kind of just barely above sea level. And um, you're like, oh, that's a hill. And then you realize that this valley is filled with water and it's so far above sea level. It's just, it's kind of dizzying. It's, um, it gives you some vertigo when you're thinking about how, how is that water up there? You know, I don't know. So I, that, that was um, an interesting realization. Um, and having Christmas with a local family who didn't know us and didn't speak any English. And so Jeanette was doing great. And honestly, in my life, that's probably the best I've ever spoken Spanish because I didn't have anybody to rely on. I had to remember words and um, not be a whiner and not hide behind somebody. I had to actually communicate because people were very patient and they were, they were so sweet and um, so welcoming to, to us travelers as were the families on that Reed Island. Um, and that's the picture, the picture for um, today's podcast because, oh, <laughs> those little kids, man, like they're, they're just, they're, we're playing tag. We're like looking at things and pointing things out. And uh, literally, I, I still have some of those Reed um, artifacts, those Reed gifts that we were buying for people. Like, wind chimes basically and it was oh it was a lovely lovely day um even though that day it felt a little bit warmer (laughs) but yeah i i i like this chapter um other issues with that trip were hilarious Ooh, i need to go to machu picchu okay well we'll go back to that there were other issues with that trip as it was i came from singapore like if you can imagine that's I feel like, I don't know the actual math, but I feel like that's one of the furthest places I could get (laughs) from where I was currently living. It's very similar to why I chose to go to Europe from Singapore um, in October. So I don't know what I was doing this year. I just, I I think I just really wanted to take advantage of the most um, famous and comfortable airport in the world by just going anywhere else. So hilarious. Um, and it, it took a while to get back actually, cause there were delays and uh, we had an extra day to hang out in Lima and have a bit more ceviche because the food you guys, oh my gosh, the food in Peru, but Machu Picchu, we were there for hours. Right. And so we had our ponchos. I've got a great picture where we look like basically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in our ponchos. I had a green one or I had a yellow one, I don't know. I think I had a green one and Jeanette had a yellow one. And we were, all of our pictures of us are just walking around with our backpacks on our back over or under the poncho. And at one point we we were defeated because we were, we were there for hours and it's up on the top of the hill and it's, 
it, you know, the food up there is so expensive because they really don't want you to stay for very long because they're trying to push the tourists in and go through and go through and go through. And we, we found a place to like sit because you can go and explore. You can walk around this, this city because it was a city. Um, and you could go and just hang out for a minute. And we sat and we were feeling dejected because we're like, okay, I guess we better go down. And then we kind of sigh and stand up. And as we stood up, we realized that the sun had come out because that was what we were, we were trying to get the shot, but it had been so rainy uh, that we, we, we wanted to see it. And of course we saw it, of course it was amazing, but you wanted to get these images in the rocks where you could see the condor, you could see the, this bird with partially unfurled wings. Um, like with with the joints kind of sticking sticking up, um, and you could see the animals only with the shadow of of the sun. Like you could only see these things. So we're just like, oh god, oh, we want the. And so we were absolutely lucky because everybody else on the bus that we came up with had already left, and a new group had come up, and they're like, oh, snapping pictures, and I'm like, you don't even understand. Yeah. And it was it was magic. It was so cool, um, and it's so hard to get to right now. It's been there's been some issues for sure in Peru, but I'm that was one thing that I that was a, definitely a bucket list item. If we get to talk about bucket lists, but uh, and understanding and respecting the culture of the Quechua a little bit more than I previously did, understanding that is it is not an extinct culture, it's not a, a dead people, um, much like many indigenous cultures in in the Americas, um, that there are there are people who are still thriving and living, but also being marginalized in Spanish and Portuguese and English and French communities across the Americas and across the world, really, um, that we we hear the story of indigenous people. And while we honor it by calling it beautiful and, oh, it's so, you know, mystic because so much of it was, uh, this culture was related to the stars and, you know, um, how they engaged with the world um, was through um, astrology and through um, their communication that way. Um, but we, we honor it that way, but we actually don't honor the people who are still here. It's like only honoring, um, Queen Elizabeth or, um, you know, um, or the Buddha or, you know, Muhammad. And then they're, and then just assuming that these cultures just stopped there and they just stopped because, oh, there was death. And yes, there was death and destruction, but there is life still. So I, I am very happy that I've, my, my trip into South America, that was where I went. It was a very satisfying trip and I'm, I'm quite happy with this chapter. I think it's, I think it um, focuses on areas pretty well, including me celebrating <laughs> New Year's by myself in Cusco, because while Jeanette got kicked out, she did try to communicate to me, but I was standing on the balcony didn't hear her because there were thousands of people there. So I'm just hanging out, wondering where she went, sitting there for hours. <laughs> and then I finally go back to the hotel and she's like, I got kicked out. Yeah, anyway, hilarious. Um, one, one for the books for sure. 
not one I will forget anytime soon. Thank you so much for joining me here at Kel on Earth Revisited. I hope to see you next time where I'm going to take you with me to my week without walls trip to Borneo. Yeah, like with kids and everything. Uh, good times, mostly. Have you ever heard of a sun bear? Oh, sun bears are cool. I'll see you then.